It's what we've been studying, isn't it? That they're going to know us by our love, and, and God says we are to love others. Uh, that is special. You know, I, uh, I want to let you know I'm so thankful that Amelia is here because my prayer is that our ministry to the deaf community will grow and uh, others will come and be part with us. And as we make this opportunity available, I think it's special. So I'm very thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, we're going to be looking primarily at verse 16 through 26. And uh, you'll recall when we started studying the book of Galatians, it was the idea that we are saved by the grace of God through faith. We believe that what he has done for us provides salvation for us, and we come and we commit our lives to him and receive him as Savior and Lord. And as we've come into chapter 5, it began talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. And it says in verse 5, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And we just talked about a little bit about the idea of freedom from the power and the penalty of sin in our lives. Freedom from uh, legalistic religion and all the rules and regulations that are sometimes put upon us in terms of our faith. Uh, that that may be good, but they don't necessarily uh, come from the Bible. They're more a tradition and historical background that brings them into place for whatever the reason. It says, do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. And then we moved over to verse 13 of chapter 5 of Galatians, and it says, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another and we looked at that last week and we just talked about the importance of it and we talked about the importance of how we make decisions Uh, how do we determine uh, what we do and how it affects our lives and how it affects the lives of others Uh, alexander hamilton how many of you know who alexander hamilton is ever heard of him all right uh do you remember the name of the individual who Uh, killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr, yes. What else can you tell me about Aaron Burr? You see, what we know is is, uh, that he killed Alexander Hamilton in in a duel. But what else do you know about Aaron Burr? Do you know anything else about him? Amazing, isn't it? You know, he is buried in... uh, I believe it's the cemetery there at Princeton University. Uh, He's buried very close to another Aaron Burr, his father, who was the second president of what would become Princeton University. His dad is, or his grandfather was a man by the name of uh, Jonathan Edwards, great pastor and theologian and evangelist. He, uh, He wrote a sermon we even read today. I have it in my office. It's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. This was his background. This is where he came from. Uh, His parents died early. He was raised by uh, relatives. And at 13, he entered what became Princeton. 13 years of age. And by the time he was 16, he had his bachelor's degree. Uh, He was on the way to doing things positive. I think he studied theology at least for a year to two years and then decided to change and go the route of the law. And he became a lawyer. He became a politician. Uh, The war broke out. And uh, he left school, and he went to become an officer in the Continental uh, Army and uh, rose to the position of colonel. He was well-known. He was a figure of importance in the early American history. Uh, He ran against Thomas Jefferson to become president for the third president of the United States. He had served in the House, I believe, of Representatives, 
And at one time, he defeated uh, the father-in-law of Alexander Hamilton, and Hamilton hated him as a result of it. And so one of Hamilton's great goals in life, apparently, was to undermine Aaron Burr and kind of destroy his political uh, position. And so um, when he ran against uh, Jefferson for president, they tied in terms of the Electoral College, in terms of who would be president. And uh, it went to the House of Representatives, and he was undermined there, apparently by Hamilton, and so he ended up as vice president rather than president. He could have been our third president of the United States. Uh, other elections went, and there was the, the bickering back and forth between he and Hamilton, and Hamilton undermining him. And one day he challenged Hamilton to a duel. He was still vice president at that point. And they went out, and the shots were fired. And, of course, you know the story of how Hamilton died. The interesting thing is that you only know about Aaron Burr for the fact that he shot Alexander Hamilton. And you probably see Hamilton up here and Burr down here, when in reality Burr uh, had a wonderful political future ahead of him. But after the duel, his political future was destroyed. He ultimately went to Europe. I understand he tried to raise funds for a revolution in Mexico. And uh, when he couldn't get the funds in the backing, he ultimately came back. He was in New York. He uh, practiced law in basic anonymity because what decision he had made to have a duel with Alexander Hamilton not only destroyed Alexander Hamilton, but it destroyed him as well. And we probably think much higher of Alexander Hamilton than we do Aaron Burr. History has not been kind. It's decisions we make. It's choices we make. How do they affect our lives? How do they determine what we're to be like? And uh, I believe that is a real question every Christian has to ask themselves. How do we make decisions that are going to impact our lives in a positive way? Well, I want to look at uh, verses 16 through 26 this morning. Um, Galatians, of course, is, is uh, found in the New Testament, uh, the Gospels, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then you come to the book of Galatians, one of Paul's letters to the churches. And it begins in verse 16, and he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh, they're evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. Oh, there's idolatry and sorcery, and then enmities and strife and jealousy, outbursts of anger. Disputes, dissensions, factions, envying and drunkenness, carousing, things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not even inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, 
let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. Let me go back to this 16th verse. When we begin to to talk about making decisions, are we making decisions that are pleasing to God? You know, I talked about the idea of decision-making last year as being based more on principles than on rules and regulations. And I talked about three areas of principles. They come from the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Boy, that's everything we are. Love God in that way. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Uh, It says we love because God first loved us. We see the foundation to the Christian life as being that issue of love. And we talked about the fact that love is is commitment to the well-being of another person. Or it honors another person. It's, It's not love that is based on emotion. Uh, erotic and in, in, in fact it's rather a decision that we make to love somebody God says we're to love it and so we do that we love others because God called us to love and so we talked about the decision to love God is to do that which honors him whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all to the glory of God and you don't do things that dishonor him We're going to look at some of those in a few minutes. Uh, We are to love ourselves because if I don't have a a, a right understanding of who I am and what's important for me, I can't love my neighbor either. So there's the idea that I have to do that which is not always self-gratifying, but that which is certainly spiritually best for me. I make those choices. I decide that. That helps me to decide what I'm going to do as I get up in the morning and I face the day, and the same thing should be true for each of you. And then we love our neighbor. Not so easy sometimes. <laughs> you know, it depends on your neighbor. Maybe, uh, maybe your neighbor's your spouse and things aren't real happy that day. You know, but it says you do what's best for them. Husbands, love your wives. That's a commandment. It's that same kind of love that God had. And, and we're to love that way. Love your neighbor. Love your kids. Love, love your parents. <laughs> your brothers and sisters, even when, boy, that's kind of hard. And you want the best for them. Love your neighbor even when he throws stuff on your yard or his dog comes over. You love your neighbor. I remember we had a a lady that lived across the street from us when we were in Portland going to seminary and we had a cat. She hated cats. She couldn't detest. She detested them. But our cat seemed to just love to go over to her house. She had chicken wire over all of her Uh, flower beds so that the cats couldn't dig in them and yet she put up with our cat because she loved us Uh, and that's kind of where it is we love people and so we reach out to them we care about them and it gives us a, a better idea here what we should do in verse 16 it says when you're a Christian walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh you won't carry out those things that aren't pleasing to God the flesh sets its desire It's lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. That first verse, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The flesh is simply our 
our sinful nature, the old self. It's who we were. It's who we are. It's still there, isn't it? You know, I don't know about you, but I still have temptation out there, and I know that the flesh is there, and so it's, it's part of my life. And when I make decisions, I have to stop and reflect and say, wow, is this what God really wants for me or not? Uh, it says, walk by the Spirit. Walking is your day-to-day existence. It's how you live. It says, walk by the power of the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit's leadership. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I'm going to tell you right now that as Christians, it's really kind of a conflict going on inside of us. Have you ever noticed that? There is this this friction going on, uh, deciding what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do and which are right, or the things that are over here that have to do with my more fleshly side, what I desire over here. I'm going to react to a person or not react to a person. There's, there's this going on. And the question is, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that, that friction, that, that, that issue within us that pulls us two different directions, almost like a tug-of-war? I, I think a good illustration is... Uh, to look at your life as having two great big dogs inside of you. You know, and they are snarling and they are biting and they're fighting with each other over who's going to be in control. And they're fighting over this bone. Do you know what the bone is? It's you. And you got these two dogs and they're going different directions. They have different desires and different wants. And which one's going to win? Which dog is going to win the battle? Well, I'm going to tell you which one's going to win. The one you feed. The one you pay attention to. The one you seem to love. You got one dog that's really strong. It's big old Rottweiler. And man, is he powerful. And you got a little old skinny Rottweiler over here that hasn't been fed and he hasn't been taken care of. And he's going to lose the battle. So which do you feed? Do you feed the flesh or do you feed the spirit? We... um, We feed the Spirit by taking in the Word of God, by meditating on the Word of God, de- determining what God wants for us and, and what He desires for us. We, we feed the Spirit by spending time in prayer, making time to be with God, just finding out, man, God, what do you have for me today and what do you want me to do? And, and is it pleasing to you and is it beneficial to my family? Is it beneficial to the people I work with? Is it where you want me to be? We feed the Spirit by listening to the Bible, by listening to speakers, by reading books that encourage us and lift us up, by making time. You know how we feed the the flesh? Number one, by not feeding the Spirit. We don't spend time with God. Because you're going to have all kinds of things out here in terms of your television, in terms of the things you read, in terms of the people that you spend time with, All of those things are going to pull you away from where God wants you to be. We watch America, and our moral values in the last 20 to 30 years have gone downhill at an amazingly rapid pace. And you know, if we go on that slippery slope with the world, that's where we end up. And and we don't make choices that are good, and we don't make choices that are positive. And when we don't do that, it affects us in such a negative way. Walk by the Spirit. Feed that which is spiritual, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. There it is, right there. 
The flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for they are in opposition to one another. They're like those two dogs. So that you may not do the things that you please, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Let me make it clear. I I, I want to give you a picture to make it just a little clearer. Rattlesnakes aren't really good, are they, in terms of sitting down playing with them? But uh, let's say you have a little boy, and he's out there in Round Valley, and he finds his snake stretched out across the road. And he begins to goes and gets a stick, and he begins to poke at this snake. And the snake curls up, and all of a sudden the rattles are going, and the tongue's going in and out, and he's watching that little boy as he's poking him with the stick. And, you know, what should that little boy do? Get out of there. But, you know, little boys aren't always like that. And so he takes that stick, and as he goes down like this, the rattlesnake strikes forward, and he's bitten. Let me just give you this. It's like temptation. And a lot of times we think that we can kind of dabble over here where it's kind of fun. We watch things that aren't the best for us. We take in things that aren't the best for us. We get involved in certain things. And we think, I'll be okay because I'm strong. I can handle it. Temptation won't bother me. Man, I I have it together. I'm spiritual until it strikes and we get bit and we fail. Because, you see, we made the wrong decisions. The Bible says walk by the Spirit. Stay away from the temptations. You won't carry out the desires of the flesh, for the flesh sets itself against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. Then it goes down here and it gives you some practical things about what the flesh are. What are the things that you need to avoid? Verse 19 goes down through uh, verse 21. It says, now the deeds of the flesh, which are, and this deals first of all with sexuality, impurity, impurity, or immorality. Immorality has to do with... um, Physical activity in, in fleshly sexual activities you're not to be involved with. It may be abortion, or I mean, yeah, that too. It may be adultery, but the term could also be here fornication. That's more likely, and that's a very broad statement. You don't get involved with premarital sexual relationships. That's what the Bible says. You know, I, I have dealt with people who have been involved in premarital relationships. They live together, whatever. And when the, the, the erotic passion wears off, all of a sudden they wonder, who am I married to? This isn't what I expected because they got started wrong. I, I don't think God wants to keep us from doing anything simply because he doesn't want us to enjoy life. He does it for our protection and for our benefit. It says that we're to avoid immorality, impurity, that word means unclean. It, it's the idea of having a filthy mind, the things that you think about, the impurity that's there. Don't spend time in it. Don't dabble in it. Don't get involved in uh, immoral activities, pornography, those kinds of things, because they'll grab a hold of you and they'll hold on. Sensuality is just a very general statement can, that wraps it all together. Then, then the next area has to do with our relationship with God. It says idolatry. Don't dabble with anything that you put in the place of God. 
that's more important to you than God. It may be money. It says uh, money, uh, idolatry is greed in one passage. Uh, it may be other things. It may be your hobbies. It, it may be friendships. And, and that's really the idea. The next word is sorcery, and, and we know what that is. That's witchcraft. But, you know, it comes from a word pharmakeia, and we get the word pharmacy from that. It has to do with drugs. Very often in witchcraft, they would use potions and drugs, and they would use that to, to affect the individual they were working with. And, and that's the picture we see today. And, and when you think of drugs today, it's, it's certainly uh, something that impacts our world in a, in a negative way, isn't it? Then it goes into our personal emotions and, and anger and relationships with others. Enmities, that just means our, our enemy. Strife, division, divisiveness, jealousy. Somebody has something and, man, I don't like the fact that they got it and I want it. It's not just about um, relationships between male and female. It's, it's about anything that somebody has and I want it. I think that was really a problem probably with uh, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. There was a lot of jealousy there. Outbursts of anger. Anger that's uncontrolled, emotions that are uncontrolled. Uh, that may be one of the biggest issues that people deal with today, is anger. I've probably talked to more people about anger, other than just in marriage counseling, than almost anything else, just because people say, man, I've got this problem, I've got to deal with it. And I, I get so angry, and it comes out, and others are hurt, and... Things are said, disputes, dissensions, factions, divisions among people. It can happen in churches where there are separate groups that are factions within the church. It certainly happens in the political, political realm, doesn't it? Envying. You should not envy what your neighbor has. That's what it says in the last commandment. We're not to desire what they have to the point we want to take it away from them. And then there's the social things of drunkenness. Ephesians 5, 8, 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the picture here is that, not that you don't drink, but to be drunk, to be intoxicated, to have a problem with alcohol limits the Holy Spirit working in our lives. If we want to honor the Holy Spirit, then we can't allow that or anything else to control us to get in there and control. And that's the picture that we have here. It says, don't be drunk with wine, whereas in excess. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The next one has to do with carousing. That's just simply being a party guy. Man, that's it, especially where there is, is an excessive alcohol. And also back at this time, there was probably sexuality, uh, sensuality, things like that taking place. And so... What, what Paul is saying, he says, these things don't honor God. Things such as these, which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, this is certainly not a complete list. If you go back to other passages in Scripture, you're going to find that there are other lists that have other things there. But that word practice is ongoing action in your life. It's not that you fall and slip and blow it once or twice. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. It's, it's talking about something that dominates who you are. 
And certainly when we look at this list of things, we realize that there are things there that dominate. And they control. And they take control of us. And what Paul is saying is if, if, if you want the Spirit, there's this big dog of the Spirit to win out over the flesh that you can't do these things. And I would say when you're making decisions in your life for what's good and what's right and what you want to do and should do and what God wants you to do, one of the first things you have to do is stop and say, what are my weaknesses? Man, where do I mess up? Where do I have problems? I was uh, going over this, this, this message for this morning, and, and I was just asking myself, what, what are my issues here? And, and there are things that I could easily pick out where I have a weakness, and, and I need to be able to say, Lord, I, I need you to take care of this. It's by the power of the Spirit that I'm going to deal with it, because I'm not able to deal with it very well on my own, and I, I slip and fall. Any of you, uh, you blow up one day in some area, maybe it's anger or uh, the thought process, what you're thinking or an attitude or the way you talk to somebody and you say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to do it again, Lord. And the next day, you do it again. Anybody have that problem? Yeah, I do. And then the third day comes along, I said, Landlord, I definitely am not going to do that again. I promised you before, and I don't want to fail again. And third day, yeah. Because you see, that's that old nature that works in us. That's when we feed the wrong one, and we do have that within us. If you go back to Romans chapter 7, Romans 7, I, I remember the first time I read this passage, and I thought, oh, that's why I have this problem. Uh, that's why I struggle so much in, in some areas. Because the things I do are not the things I want to do, but they're the things that displease God. It's, it's just that idea, well, I'm not coming up with exactly the passage that I want, but it's found there, and a number of you know it. And uh, Paul's saying, uh, what shall I say then? He says, I sin, and I don't know why I sin. I'm dead to sin, but yet I continue to sin. And it's because of that sin nature. Uh, down in verse 14 it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, he says, I do not understand. I don't know why I keep doing that. But I'm not practicing what I'd like to do. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I disagree or I agree with the law, confessing that law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but it's that sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me. I, I, I know I want to do the right thing, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. And it's that old nature, and when we let that old nature take control, we are not walking by the Spirit as we should. We find ourselves making decisions that are unwise and not right. Paul went on in this passage in verse 22, and it talks about what should typify the life of the believer, the one that is being led by the Spirit rather than led by the flesh. 
We talked about what would happen to the one who's led by the flesh, but here's what our lives should be. It says the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love. And that's what we've talked about, isn't it? That is, that is the controlling issue in our lives. In fact, we go back to where we were a week ago, and it says, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I, I believe all of these character qualities that we're talking about are held together by the aspect of this godly love. Uh, back in the book of Colossians, um, great place in Colossians chapter 3, and beginning in verse 12, it says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and a heart of kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, oh, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And then in verse 14, he says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then let peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. But it's just that idea. It's kind of like a mason. He's out there and he's building. I remember they used to come and build fireplaces where, when I was building, and they would put the bricks down. But between each brick, they would put the mortar and it would hold it all together. And that's what the love is. It's the mortar of the qualities in our life. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And, and it's interesting to note also that fruit is singular, where back here it talks about the deeds of the flesh, plural. Here it is. All of these things should be part of who we are. It says fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. And uh, it's a choice whether you have joy in your life. It's a choice that we come from our relationship with God. Now, it's different than happiness. Happiness is very temporal. And uh, my wife can ask me, are you happy today? And I may say, no, not happy today. But there's an abiding joy in my life that is deeper and fuller and richer no matter what the circumstances. It's not based on my circumstances. It's not based on what somebody else said to me or somebody else did to me. It's a joy that God gives. There's peace and patience, and that's patience with people, being able to be patient with others. Um, moms, is it easy to be patient with the kids? Y'all got this down, this patience thing? No, sometimes you go back to that outburst of anger, huh? Yeah, and that's where the two are in opposition to one another. They don't go together, and yet it says God gives us to be able to be patient with other people and sometimes that's hard because people are sometimes difficult to be patient with. There's kindness. There's goodness. Self-faithfulness. That, that faithfulness isn't talking about a person having faith. It's a person who's faithful. You can be counted on. You say you're going to do something. You're going to be there. You're going to do it. You're going to complete the task. You're going to fulfill the role that is, is there for your, your faithful, your gentleness, self-control. You got control over it all. It says against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. In other words, they are dead to us, and yet they're still there, and they still cause problems. And and it's that we need to be able to take control of those through the power of the Spirit and walk according to the Spirit, as He has said in the fruit of the Spirit, 
love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness. If we live by the Spirit, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you are made right before God. If you live by the Spirit, then what it says is your life ought to reflect that. You walk by the Spirit. There should be a difference between the person who believes in Jesus Christ and has a relationship and the person who doesn't, and we grow into that. It isn't automatic. But it certainly is that there should be a change in who we are. Let us not become boastful in challenging one another or envying one another. And so we make decisions they're decisions that build our relationships rather than destroy them down, destroy them and tear them down. It's going back and saying, is this going to glorify God? Or is it going to dishonor God, what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm involved in? Is God honored or dishonored by what I'm doing? And I'll tell you what, if you're doing things that dishonor God, you're going to experience the lack of peace in your own life. Just won't be there. Is it beneficial to me or does it tear me down as a person? Is it beneficial to my spouse or my kids or my friends for the people I work with? Does it build them up or do the things I do bring them down? I would encourage you to go home this, morning, this afternoon and just take these two lists and write them down. Write down the, the deeds of the flesh and write down the fruit of the Spirit and ask yourself, where do I fit? Where am I strong? Where am I weak? Where do I need to have work? Where am I okay? And then just go to the Lord and say, I can't do it without you. I admit that it's not all my strength, it's not all my abilities, but it's what you do in me and through me that makes a difference. And I believe if you do that today and you practice that regularly and you go back and evaluate your life in 2019, you will find that your life in 2019 will be so much more fulfilling than it was in 2018. I encourage you to make that commitment today. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we come this morning and and we just come into your presence and I pray for your guidance, your direction, your leadership. I, I pray that we truly understood what this passage was about today because uh, it's easy for us to hear the Bible and sometimes not internalize the Bible to, to say, yeah, I've got it, and, and then the next day we've missed it. And so I pray for each person here as well as myself that Uh, we would look at the idea of walking by the power of the Spirit rather than our own power. I just ask your guidance today for each and every one of us that we would truly be the people you want us to be. And I pray for each individual here. I, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you that they would commit their life to you today. But, Father, uh, I, I pray for those who are believers here that uh, they would truly experience your grace, and your love as they live love lives that honor and glorify you. And they experience the benefit of that, the change, the transformation that it makes. 
You know, when you told us not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that's what it's talking about here for a total transformation. And so I pray that that would be the case and that we would truly experience the benefit of that walk with you and that our friends and family members would see it in our lives. Thank you, Father. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.